episode of Stoke Meter. Today we are honored to have Deepak Lawani. Uh, Deepak is uh, someone that I've known again for a number of years and we were actually in grad school together back in New York City and he has since that time started his own consulting business that has to do with all kinds of change management, organizational development and all of you are wondering what the crud is that? Yeah, uh, and we'll get into what that is and then how that ties in. But then we're going to talk about all kinds of other good things here. So Deepak, welcome, man. It's been a long time. It's been a really long time. You know, thanks for having me. Uh, you know, we met uh, just about 20 years ago at uh, Columbia in uh, New York. Uh, we both got our graduate degree in change management before it was a thing. <laughs> and before it got popular by... Uh, companies such as ProSci and coming up with Adcar and things of the like. So, you know, we have a lot to talk about. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. And for those of you that don't know what ProSci <laughs> is, because every time I, I when I heard that, I thought it was a science fiction thing. It's just right. a method of change management. And right. uh, so what the heck are we talking about change management for? It's because if you think about life, that's that's pretty much what it is. It's constant change. Yeah, that's true. Right. And so that's why we, I thought, Heck, we gotta we gotta talk to Deepak here because that dude's seen a lot over the last last uh, couple decades here, and just wanted to dig in. I'm like, well, what can you tell us about yourself, man? Yeah, so you know, I've uh, as a professional, I've been working as a change and transformation consultant now for for almost 20 years. Um, like Maurice, I got a graduate degree in organization change. As a focus, you know, the degree was actually in organizational psychology. I still keep in touch with alumni from the program. So that's kind of neat and see where they've landed and what they're doing with their career. I know when we came out, uh, the, the tech bubble burst and 9-11 happened and things were kind of interesting. Um, you know, they brought on a new mayor from the business side in New York um, and he had uh, three terms, uh, Mayor Bloomberg. Um, and so my work has to do with just working with organizations to put like structures and plans and processes in place to help kind of plan and manage a change um, a little more methodically and uh, with using approaches and tools to kind of make their life easier as opposed to making it, um, you know, a trauma or uh, something <laughs> that, that happens in an instant. So. <laughs> a lot has a lot to do with planning and, and managing, um, you know, uh, initiatives that uh, come through the pipeline with some of the executives you work with in companies. You know, I gotta, I gotta ask you, man, and I know some of the answers just because I did this for a number sure, of years sure. as well. But what do you you look at organizational change, and not all of them are always changing um, constantly. There's so many dynamics outside of the organization. And I'm wondering what you have seen has inhibited corporations from being effective, especially when they need to be. And then all of a sudden they're, well, not all of a sudden, they just remain the same. <laughs> what are some of the things that you've seen is, have led to the inability to change? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. You know, there's a lot of research. You've obviously seen it. It's come up over and over in the literature that uh, 70 plus percent of companies that are going through these change or transformation projects ultimately fail. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that people attack work uh, more from a 
the technical aspects, yeah. maybe there's a technical or a technology or enterprise technology implementation or project that someone is focused on and they're, they're, they're focusing on the technical factors. Sometimes they're just focusing on kind of the business factors or business processes or business departments. Um, and a lot of it, um, sometimes they don't take into account how long it takes to kind of work on the people side of things. <laughs> Uh, and it comes up quite a bit, you know, I, a friend of mine would always comment that, you know, if we can bottle uh, and have an approach around stakeholder management, you know, we, we'd be doing something else or li living a, you know, a, a much more wealthier life. But the fact of the matter is uh, people have personalities, uh, they have ups and downs, uh, they have likes and dislikes, all of that kind of gets discounted, you know, in the, uh, the idea is that you know we're we're supposed to shepherd a project from start to finish um, rationally, not emotionally. Don't bring your emotions to work, um, and you know uh, people uh, often stay away from it because it's a touchy subject and uh, it's just hard to manage working through multiple personalities, and it comes up. It's a challenge, and uh, how you reckon with it is uh is is you know is can be challenging oh yeah gary you've seen some of that man right yeah <laughs> yeah i have a question for you i mean you, you say change management and that's obviously a, a pretty bit pretty massive umbrella yeah. yeah and i guess my question is is from with with your consulting um company or, or firm or whatever it is you know but when, when you go to these companies what what kind of change or do you see the most that, that these corporations and companies are trying to implement and why? Because I'm sure there's a fine balance between keeping what's working versus what's not. Yeah. What, what kind of trends do you see? You know, I mean, I do. I mean, to stay kind of billable and to stay marketable, um, I do a lot of enterprise technology implementation. So I'm sure, you know, for the past 20 years, we've been in this uh the technology era you know we've seen the industrial revolution uh, now we're seeing a technology revolution and what we find is we're pushing out um you know mobile and web-based technology at at uh, lightning speed oh, yeah. um what, what people don't take into consideration is that it takes time to adopt to those new technologies um you know, you take LinkedIn, for example, um, you know, now there's an opportunity to do, to have LinkedIn live events um, and, and, and put up something live that people, that people can relate to or attend, but there's so many features and functions coming out with new web-based technology that you're kind of unaware of what those changes are and how they can, you can use them professionally and to, to your advantage. Um, so, you know, I find that interesting because it always takes a backseat to, to a release, you know, as they call it on these enterprise technology projects and that everyone's supposed to get it once that release happens. Um, and it never works that way. Never, um, never, never. So, uh, you know, I find that interesting. Um, so the, the work I do is more around organizational change where, you know, an organizational client will hire me. And I'll bring in, uh, and since it is around a lot around enterprise technology deployments, 
Uh, and to a lesser extent, sometimes it's uh, redesigning a business process or outsourcing a piece of work or standing up a shared services environment or restructuring a department. Those are the four or five kind of business transformations I see. But by and large, like I see a lot of enterprise technology implementation. So, uh, and a lot of it is, you know, back office systems, things such as SAP, Oracle, PeopleSoft, and to a lesser extent, the mid-sized companies bring in uh, more uh, software that's, you can say, relatable, closer to a consumer experience you would find with, say, something like Amazon. So uh, enterprise technology in the cloud, such as uh, salesforce.com, as well as Workday, has been a lot more relatable and hot in the market uh, that people use and grown accustomed to. Um, so, you know, that's a lot of the work I do. Uh, it's been a lot of cross industry work. Um, and yeah, I, I, I bring in some proprietary tools, frameworks and approaches to help them, uh, to help them and their people get through that. Some of that, some of that, uh, some of that work. It's kind of interesting to see, um, you know, how it used to be your large enterprise products, you know, they were server based and, you know, to make a change across an industry or a corporation was a massive undertaking That's and right. people will be running on different versions. And it's kind of exciting to see kind of that cloud movement to where now changes can be made in the background and yeah. that type of stuff. It's kind of interesting. You're seeing a lot of that with like, uh, you know, Google, you know, has clients and, um, you know, they've, uh, they've been so innovative. They've worked with some large, you know, Fortune 500 companies where, um, you know, they, they wouldn't be using uh, Microsoft products such as Excel, PowerPoint, uh, Word, but rather using Google-based tools that are cloud-based and that people can edit. Yes. Uh, you know, Google Docs is a great example. You know, prior to that, um, you needed two sets of tools. You needed uh, MS Word to write, but then, you know, if you wanted to collaborate on a document, you'd have to have a screen share, something similar to Zoom or MS Teams, but with Google Docs, uh, people can collaborate directly. It, it's got uh, collaboration inherent in the tool. Um, I always thought that was, you know, an interesting change and something that's caught on with a lot of companies. Um, so it's interesting. I like it. I like it. Well, now, you know, I'm going to go back to the people side of it. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that I've, I've, I've seen multiple times, I'll, I'll give you one example. Uh, there was one time there was an individual that asked the, their, their CHR, or Chief Human Resource Officer, you know, when are you, when are you going to put something in diversity inclusion? And man, that's such a hot topic right now, but it, whether it be you look at it good or bad, right? And they said, I think it's something to the almost exact what we're, we're not. <laughs> we're not going to do this at all. But then... Uh, then another leader comes in that this individual reported to, and they have a big diversity and inclusion push, right? All of a sudden, it was it's like, oh my goodness, this is so. The same individual would then go, ah, oh, this is the latest and greatest. We're going to go 100% with that. The only problem is, everyone that saw the other answers thought. You just said you're not ever going to do anything with this stuff, man. <laughs> and so how do you help leaders stay consistent to, uh, and to, to see the longer term, longer term impacts of, of answers that they give, uh, but also once they do a flip like that, 
uh, how how do you how do they wrinkle i mean I, smooth out the creases <laughs> if you will <laughs> and get everyone really on board yeah uh, because if you think of change a lot of people that i've i i've consulted with have said we're not going to change man we're not going to do anything but then when something that that it comes up all of a sudden they're the biggest backers of whatever it might be whether it be dni yeah. whether it be something technology based what have you yeah. I mean, sometimes it's like uh, external environment driven. Like you see a lot of downward pressure from changes uh, that, you know, government makes, you know, a good example is recently with uh, Juneteenth, um, you know, the you know, African-American holiday in the U.S. I mean, they're making it a federal holiday, uh, which typically makes it uh, a mandated holiday that companies observe uh, at their workplace, right. you know? To, so to institute something like that, you know, you, you see a lot of changes in the, in the background um, that the government makes um, that kind of drives some of that. So, I mean, making it uh, a mandate um, seems to make a difference, you know, making it, uh, com you know, compliance driven and oriented can make it a difference. Um, so just, just, uh, you know, incentivizing or de-incentivizing companies to make a specific change or that really, that really seems to work rather than to just talk about it. Um, so that's one good example that comes to mind. Um, other times, you know, within an internal organization, you'll see, uh, a, a new executive come in, be it someone in the C-suite or even the CEO, and they want to put their mark or their stamp uh, on the company. I mean, ultimately, you know, when you're brought in at that level, you're being asked to change something. You're asked to, uh, to solve a problem, you know, whether it's uh, maybe you have cost overruns or maybe the company is not growing at the rate that it wants to. So more likely than not, they interview someone that can kind of solve that problem. Right. Um, so, kind of for, for people to change, you know, below the C-suite, you know, getting that buy-in commitment and support at the top to make that change happen is another kind of, it's, it's just another way to kind of push that forward. Yeah. Yeah. So really, yeah, it starts at the top or there may be like an external cause, like a regulatory body or a governmental body that pushes something in a play that, that causes that spark. That's what I've seen work best, yeah. you know, having some kind of buy-in from, uh, from a sponsor, if you can call it that. Like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. And, and again, I've, I've seen a ton of the stuff that you, you're, that you've been going in both internally and as an external consultant. I still do some of this stuff on the side. So sure. Sure. <laughs> it's fun. Sure. But I, I find it interesting because uh, Gary's in healthcare and Oh my goodness. I mean, you got to share some of this stuff, what you can't, if you can. <laughs> yeah. no, 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 I get I, one of the, one of the things that has been interesting to track and follow in healthcare is the, is the evolution of, of the electronic health record mm -hmm. where, you know, back in the day, everything was paper charting. And then the kind of the promise was, is that this is now going to free up all of our time so that we can spend more time at the bedside and provide you know, more pay, more time for direct patient care. And it's been absolutely the opposite. Um, it's now 
allowed, you know, administration and above to micromanage and pull reports and data. And then this is one area where I don't, you know, I wonder sometimes where some of you say sometimes regulation or, or incentivizing and that type of thing is a good thing. But yeah. in, in, in my arena, I've actually seen a little bit of a different where now they say, well, now we've got to have all these, these, uh, programs or initiatives and everything else because now you can track all this minutiae of data you know i i wonder do you see have you seen that in some of the other industries where you know i think where people are a little jaded because you know technology was supposed to be the the savior and the answer and they don't trust it at some point uh you know it's interesting i mean there were i mean you know in some ways you know when we went into this pandemic and uh, pandemic induced recession, like people were forced to go 100% digital. Yeah. Um, you know, and I remember there being like a boom in, in Zoom uh, technology or Zoom video services stock price or Zoom communications is what they call it. And, uh, you know, uh, they, they have had privacy concerns that they had to mitigate early on about people getting access to video meetings who weren't um, invited to them. Um, so there has been security issues, you know, there have been cybersecurity issues. I mean, even with um, the advent of cryptocurrency comes up um, right now, that's, you know, a lot of it, I believe is, is a lot of speculation rather than investing, but um, you know, that's still trying to find its feet in, uh, in uh, the, in the markets that, that we work in from shopping to, to retail, to, you know, um, so there's a little bit of stutter there right now um, because, you know, it's my understanding a lot of that, the type of currency is still used in the black market um, and that's where it's recognized. But, you know, um, over and over and over again, it's it's coming to a head and um, IRS, for example, is starting to crack down it with, with some of their um, regulations and that they want to know if you have cryptocurrency um, because obviously, you know, through the IRS, they're trying to figure out how to tax it. So, so, you know, there's an argument there going on. Um, So it's interesting, like, it seems, uh, uh, it seems like, you know, at first, it starts with some form of speculation. But over time, some of it really makes it into the mainstream. And, um, you know, in our particular case, we went from working in person or virtual, you know, where it was forced upon us. Um, And we're still in that space. You know, most companies are still working virtually as opposed to being in person. And that, that, that is working, you know, it seems to be working. Um, A lot of us are are, are working in that capacity. Um, So it's something that, you know, was forced upon us and something that we kind of had to get used to. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I find that interesting. I just wondered too, we, we talk about organizations, we talk about the, the impact that it has on the people. And I'm just wondering what kind of recommendations would you have for an individual that is being impacted by change? Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I mean, you know, and there, there are a couple of ways you can look at that. I mean, if someone gets, someone gets a rift or a reduction in force, uh, if there's some form of turnover, whether voluntary or involuntary, in the form of a termination, that's hard. You know, I've done some, I've done some presentations around people going through the emotional aspects of change. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. Um, 
you know, I've, you know, much of my work is around organization or group change, you know, and uh, getting a project to go from, from start to finish to go live uh, and to hypercare or uh, post-deployment. Um, so, you know, like uh, there's, not, there's not enough said about, you know, focusing on the people side of change. Sure. Um, uh, most companies are, are very, very much, um, you know, focused on the technology, the, the technical or, or process aspects of, of any sort of business changes. But I think people that have experience, you know, people that have been in the trenches like us uh, or have some gray hairs before they walk into the room, realize that, you know, managing stakeholders uh, is a full-time job in and of itself. Oh, it totally is. It totally is. It it is. And it's unrecognized, but it does suck up a lot of time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And with that, managing the stakeholders, too, I'm just wondering, how would you go about promoting dialogue? And and let let me clarify that. Uh, sometimes you have the sales team. They are not going to talk with the other organizations. They just want to make the sales. And then sure. all of a sudden the sales impacts everything that technical people are doing or whoever it might be. And then it causes a whole conundrum and all of a sudden there's this, this contention. Uh, and so, but this also trickles out into regular life as well. <laughs> there's always some kind of conflict or differences of opinion but how would how do you promote dialogue amongst differing opinions, uh, differing different disciplines, whatever it might be? Because yeah. you know what I mean. Because this is not something that is just isolated in an organization. The ability to have a dialogue impacts the personal life uh, as well. Yeah, and uh, I mean that's tough. I think um, let's be honest. I mean, getting behind a computer and sending an email to a large set of people doesn't change anything. Uh, you'd be lucky if they, they, um, you'd be lucky if they read it. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you know, let alone open it. Um, and if you, if that's just what your change management plan is, you're in trouble, you know, nothing's yeah. to learn any, I get thousands of emails a day. Um, and um, some of them, you know, most of them, you know, I, I, I may mark them as spam or unsubscribe. So, um, you know, you make a good point. Um, I'm always big on in-person and pressing the flesh. Of course, we don't have that option here. Yeah. Um, I think the next best thing is building a relationship with someone. Yeah. As hard as that may be, you know, speaking in executive's language. That's important for me because I'm a consultancy and we are looking for, you know, um, making sure the relationship is spot on. And so we can continue work. I mean, they're after all, they're our end client. Um, So building a relationship is really, really important. Um, Talking about their needs. uh, Some of that right side of thinking is some of the terminology I've heard, like, um, I like to ask what, what, you know, when I'm working with an executive, what's the best way to reach them or how, what's their preferred method of communications? Yep. Um, some people prefer text. Um, I prefer just picking up. I don't like to hide behind electronic means. <laughs> I like to just pick up the phone and talk to people. Oh, um, yeah. But you, you, you won't, you, you know, a lot of people are just focusing on CYA behavior. Oh yeah. You know, cover your ass. <laughs> So they'll send out an email and copy someone just to get it done, but you're not going to build a relationship that way. You know, oh, no. 
you're not going to get farther faster. You know, you're not going to, I know one consultant that thinks of thinking the fourth sale first, um, yeah. trying to, um, trying to build more, uh, trying to build a book of business with a client, you know, it's going to take more than sending them an email. It takes building a relationship with them and, and knowing what their personality and communication style is. <laughs> I got to I got to share this one thing. I was, I was uh, working with a group one time and so we're trying to promote this dialogue between all the executive team and <laughs> I go, okay, we're going to role play. You're going to, you're going to engage with me. You're going to have a dialogue with me. We just had a very tough situation here. You're going to have a dialogue with me. Right. And I remember he started going on and I called timeout in the middle of this consultancy. I go, are you using a flipping sales tactic tactic on me? And he goes, uh, yeah, yeah, it works all the time. It's not working with me, man. And I mean, literally, you can, and this is a beauty about being a consultant, right? You're not internal, so you right. can call them on it. Uh, and yeah, yeah, but you have to call them on it in the, in the right way, right? Yeah, right. But then he goes, no, 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 it works. I've seen a hundred times, blah, blah, blah. And so I look at all of his peers and, he, and they go, I, I ask him, is this working? It's an R-rated rant of how it wasn't working. <laughs> And so to your point, it isn't about a process. It's not about right. a program. It's about talking with the individual at their level instead yeah. of just barfing it up, right? True. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And uh, it's tough because a used, used car salesman, uh, you know, we think of a used car salesman in the U.S. and yeah. how that, that's uh, reflected and, you know, Look, the U.S. has a big culture of that, of, of selling um, where, you know, a lot of the buyers may not feel like they're being heard. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's a, that's important. Um, it gets uh, underestimated and it really goes a long way with your client. It really does. It, it, you just can't read a, a book by its cover, right? There's a I, I go way off tangent. I'm sorry to both of you guys, but no, not I have a. No. I have a friend over here, and this doesn't have anything to do with change management, but it has everything to do with, uh, with building that relationship. He's a big dude, but he purposely dresses like a bum. He's a millionaire, and he goes into, and he goes in in in, in gym shorts and a tank top, and and he has a gym bag, and you know, so he'll go in into these car dealerships, and he'll go, hey, can I see this? And almost without fail, they don't really engage with the dude and then what he'll do is he'll go to each salesman until he finds one that relates with the individual really understands the need the bag is full of cash <laughs> and he does this over and over because he's buying cars for his business and uh, he does it straight with cash and so i mean wow. the the, the word is out. He can't do that anymore because they go, hey, look for the big dude with this. <laughs> but it's interesting because sometimes I think that that uh, change doesn't happen because we're not willing to make the the sacrifices to get over ourselves and yeah. in our own opinion to be able to have that. And as one individual on one of the uh, movies said, they, my hypocrisy knows no bounds because I know I don't do that as well. <laughs> It's a hard thing to overcome. <laughs> it really is. And um, it's tough. 
it's tough because uh, when you, you know, when you're in organizations, like time is incredibly finite, right? You're on the clock and you have specific deadlines and there are dependencies to meet specific deliverables to meet those deadlines or specific dependencies to meet deliverables that speak to a specific outcome. Um, so you, it's, uh, you know, uh, when you get on someone's calendar, you wanna use that time wisely and, um, you want to make sure you're adding value for your client ultimately. Um, so you really have to massage the people side very carefully. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the best people I've seen do this, uh, really, especially leaders or people that manage others, that's situational leadership. Um, I can't say I'm great at it. You know, like I, I was always big on values-based leadership, but it just makes you look stubborn. Uh, <laughs> But I, I think I think people that know how to shook and jive with their employees, yeah, and kind of connect with them on a one-on-one basis, I think they make uh, better people leaders than say someone with an iron fist. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah. that's that's my humble opinion. Well, Gary, didn't you go through something like this where you were time bound on something, trying to implement something? I can't remember. Was that you? It might have been something. for me. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh man, I don't know, but um, I. I, I... I do it. I do kind of resonate with what Deepak is saying is it just seems to me that the most effective leadership is not a grab by the neck and pull yeah. people along. It just seems like more and more, especially with the, you know, you're, you're talking earlier about how technology over time, things kind of fall out and, and trend and they be kind of come the new norm. And I think, one of the negative aspects of that is kind of like with social media where everybody has an opinion on everything and everything has to be stated and that type of stuff. And so on, on a leadership perspective of that, you're dealing with people now that feel they have to have a voice on everything yes. <laughs> and need to express that voice. And I don't know, it just seems like the people that have kind of adapted to that method, you know, that, that system as far as leadership goes, now are the ones that kind of follow or let me let me be there as a support give you the the processes the, the equipment everything you need to be successful yeah. so that that now you're kind of directing their you know what they're saying so to speak as opposed to dragging them along i think the days of successful leadership by by being at the top and telling everybody to follow you are rapidly disappearing yeah you know it's it's interesting you say that you know right now um it's it's just strange uh, what we're coming out of i know we're still climbing out of the pandemic there's like the uh i believe they call it the delta variant that's hitting latin america and india quite a bit um so we're trying to figure things out um especially here in the u.s and things are opening up and people are just kind of sick of being indoors um you're seeing like, so we had a lot of layoffs in Q2 of 2020, but now a lot of people are just leaving organizations left and right yeah. uh, for other opportunities, be it what some of us are doing here in this room and opening up their own boutique or their own firm um, or just going to work for another organization or just finding a new calling. Um, it seems like a lot of that's going on in the market today. Um, and it makes me wonder why and what the drivers of that is. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. You know, it's funny because we're approaching both of you. You were down. I'm a 9-11 survivor. I think you're a 9-11 yeah. survivor too, right? You were right there. I was around. Yeah. I was working for a, for a Canadian bank, Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce. Um, and uh, I was at her, you know, I was doing some junior HR journalist work coming out of Columbia and uh, yeah, 9-11 happened. Uh, one of the companies I was working for was in one of the towers yeah. Uh, and I remember um, I was at I was doing some junior HR journalist work and yeah. I was out at a campus doing some campus recruiting and hiring for uh, the banking's kind of analyst position. I remember driving back from a colleague from one of the universities and hearing it on the news. Yeah. Some colleagues were telling me they were running out of the building that day and they saw one of the tires right on the street. Oh, man. Um, so that was a surreal moment. It is. And, and the only reason I bring that, I mean, I still can't believe it's almost 20 years since that day, but yeah, that's right. When I look at how it made me think, I thought, I, I, I don't want to chase the dollar anymore. Right. Or, yeah. or I have a higher purpose, higher cause. And you know, I, yeah. And it's harder to do that the older you get. I mean, it's, it's fun and sexy, you know, when you're in your twenties and thirties, I mean, I'll turn 45 this month. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, but you know, to do it day in and day out for a King dollar, it gets old, you know, yeah. it gets, uh, you know, now I'm trying to find a little more balance with it. Yes. Um, right now I'm, 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 I'm doing a lot more work, uh, in the health and life sciences area. Yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned providers and the Epic system or an EHR. Um, I'm working with a pharmaceutical company, um, and they're implementing a new process and a new system around um, kind of like uh, best in class analytics and artificial intelligence and machine learning because that technology is there today and people want to take advantage of it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, things are continuing to change at a rapid pace. Yeah. Um, so it's just interesting to watch and kind of live in this day and age to see it happen right before you. Yeah. Uh, you know, another good example, at least on the consumer side, as opposed to the business side, uh, you know, there's a, unfortunately, for whatever reason, uh, my wife and I, we live in a co-op in New York. There's a no pet policy. <laughs> uh, and, you know, that's unfortunate because I think we've grown to love dogs. Right. We ended up getting um, um, a robot dog. Uh, <laughs> we got a robot dog and it's uh, by... It's by, uh, it's by Sony. So I think it was expensive. And, uh, you know, we just thought it'd be nice to have something like that in the house. Um, you know, and it was by Sony. So it was a name brand that we trusted. Uh, and when we saw it, we just thought it was an opportunity to bring a, a pet, a robot pet uh, into the house. And it's been interesting, you know, it's using all the latest technology from artificial intelligence, you know, it barks at you to robotics you know it can do tricks uh it's got a docking station it'll go to sleep it'll wake up when you wake up this is disturbing us so many levels <laughs> it's, it's kind of neat it's kind of neat um uh so you know I, you know so i try to stay on top of these trends i think that's whether on the consumer side or, or on the enterprise slash business side i i I try to stay on top of these trends because you know it's happening. It's happening here and now. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, not to mention, you know, all the push around electric vehicles. You know, that's oh. big. Um, and just about every company is coming out with their own version. 
They are. I mean, you you have the Mustang, for example, that that's come out with an electric vehicle. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. They're even well, making yeah, it's, a Raptor. Oh, oh good. sorry, Gary. Go ahead, man. <laughs> oh no, I just say that. Yeah, that's it's it's intriguing because now, you know, it used to be that you would have a manufacturing company like say like a Dodge or a Chevy or whatever that 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 then brings in technology whereas it seems like one of the big shifts is now you know like Apple you you come from the technology side you know and then you bring in the other half of it you know they talk about you know eventually Apple will most likely have an EV at some point because yeah um and it kind of makes sense because a, a mass majority of that entity is now technology focused, whereas yeah. the, the nuts and bolts are now secondary. <laughs> I think I think part of it is, you know, and I, I have a networking group in New York. You know, I just had an event. We used to do that in person in Manhattan. We've been doing uh, virtual events. You know, it's called Business and Technology of Greater New York. You know, and the purpose of that is to engage business and technology leaders at Greater New York to talk about their best practices and opportunities. One of the things that come up over and over is a lot of the technology departments were seen as cost centers, mm-hmm. right? They would, they would be, they would do, you know, desktop support, managed uh, IT. But, you know, in a lot of cases, a lot of these companies are leading with technology. Like that's part of their strategic um, plan, Um and I think you're seeing a lot of that today. I mean, there's a whole new marketplace because of that. Um, so I find that kind of fascinating because it's a profit center now. Yeah. Um, like you'd find at a, at a bank, you know, where, where sales and trading is a profit center. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see more of that now today than ever before. That's insane, right? It's so insane. All these changes that have happened over the course of at least the decades that we've been in school, but also just that are that are that are brought upon by a pandemic yeah brought upon well that too unseen's it's amazing yeah. <laughs> i have a feeling you're going to be a busy for a long time deepak <laughs> yeah i mean be, being you know i didn't plan to kind of go in the, the enterprise technology space right but you know combining kind of change management methodologies and approaches with enterprise technology adoption process and technology adoption because it changes a lot of departments whether Maurice talked about sales marketing and account management and CRM or you know HR back office HR processes like self-service recruiting benefits administration it's just been an opportunity for the space I work in yeah Um, oh so you uh you're you're heavily involved in technology integration with these large companies getting them to make the change my, my question is, is as an individual who is, this is what you do. All right. Give me, give me top five or so technology apps, whatever that you use to manage your personal change. Oh, that's, or, okay. that's a good question. I mean, you know, uh, we're all working from home. So, I, you know, I put a premium on productivity, right? I mean, I'm a consultant being productive is important. So top five apps, you know, I've, I've got like three calendars. I integrate them all in the Google <laughs> calendar, you know, just like, bam. Uh, so I try not to miss meetings there. Uh, right now, this pharma companies, you know, they're, they're an, they're a Microsoft shop. So from teams to SharePoint to, yeah. to uh, you know, I mean, teams is a really nice integrated product where you can launch a calendar, have a chat, send an email kind of, you know, uh, update a uh, 
upload a file for access all in kind of one place. You can't do that with Zoom. Yeah. Um, I know that's more on the enterprise, but I'd say, you know, Google Calendar, of course, I'm on the productivity. I'm still on the on the paper big to-do list. Yes, <laughs> love it. You know what's so funny? I, can I give you can I give you a recent example? I went to a tech uh, I went to a, a you know, tech is really big in New York, you know, it's probably second to San Francisco, but you know, with everyone kind of migrating to different places, it's less about the geography ge- geography now and more about, you know, who's using what. Um, I think, you know, LinkedIn has been great for networking and business development. I think that's one there. I think, you know, productivity around calendaring with Google Calendar, I think that's been good. Um, right. The example I was going to give you, I went to a big tech forum in New York. Um, and one woman was, uh, it was like 50,000 people. One woman introduced a to-do list. Um, and she's, and uh, I thought that was funny. Uh, and she spelled it T-U-D-U-X, to-do, right? Uh, and I said, and she's like, it's a cloud-based to-do list. Um, before everyone just kind of started incorporating it into whatever they're using today, for example, tasks right. is something that Google uses. So, you know, she thought it was innovative and, um, you know, it was a cloud-based to-do list before, you know, kind of that space opened up on its own. So I raised my hand and I said, what if you have no internet access? <laughs> How am I going to write that action item down then? You know, and everyone was silent. Some were joking. Some were like, she didn't really have an answer, you know, but I was like, don't expect me to buy like this new technology, you know, if I can't use it, you know, day in and day out. Um, so, I mean, there's some things I still, for example, I tried going digital with, um, with, uh, with like note taking, but where I was using a notebook called Rocketbook from Amazon. I'd take notes and then take a picture and then it would turn into a PDF doc, but it didn't, it didn't quite kind of work. So I'm still kind of used to using a, a red and black oh, notebook. Yes. <laughs> and they're just so easy to use, you know, and I can always go over and, you know, frankly, like the technology with Rocketbook wasn't good enough to like get through my, my chicken scratch. So it kind of didn't know what to make of it, you know, when it, when it tried to make sense of it. Um, and it tried to use like OCR technology to make it, to make it readable and legible. So some of the technology is not quite there though. Um, but you know, some of it, like I, I you know, like, you know, I do use, uh, I use, a, an echo dot, you know, for, uh, you know, to speak to Alexa as, you know, I'm part of the Amazon, um, ecosystem in that regard you know i find stuff like that it's incredibly cheap yes. um and uh, you can put it everywhere in your house you can ask it the weather uh, mostly we use it i think me i use it for music weather and uh, you know the time or you know i get to put my phone down and, and and set an alarm clock you know if i need a nap um i find stuff like that real easy so i mean it's definitely here to stay yeah. You know, and people are finding more and more innovative ways to use consumer technology as such. Well, I think there's an important, an important lesson there that I take from that is um, it's not always good just to do integrate technology for the sake of having technology. No, some, some, sometimes good old paper and pen still is the best way to go, even for someone like you that is very tech savvy, that that's what you do for a living. I do. I, I do. I do. I mean, like, you got to find the right balance. You know, uh, buying a robot dog, yes. You know, using it for <laughs> to upload my notes. No, 
Um, no, but yeah, you really got to find the right balance. Um, I mean, there's just so much, there's so many interesting technologies out today. Uh, you know, just last year, Bose came out with a set of sunglasses that yeah, is, I remember uh, those. Yes. did you see that? It's yeah. amazing. So it's sunglasses and it's, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're great with music and so, and speakers. And so the speakers are attached to the sunglasses. So the speakers actually go on and connect to your phone once you put the sunglasses on. And before you know it, you're listening to music, um, which is so neat, you know, when you put on a pair of sunglasses. So stuff like that, I find really interesting. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah. I asked the same question you asked the to-do woman. What if it's dark outside? <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know. I mean, there's, 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 there's still some things I, you know, I use paper and pen with, so. Uh, I think the big things I'm taking away from this call is as far as change and, and anything else, it's keeping it simple. It's relating with people um, and, and getting out of your comfort zone. Uh, yeah. That's pretty much what I'm, I'm and this is what I love about talking uh, to the different guests, but especially you today, you've, you've seen it, you've seen it impact uh, other organizations and people and even yourself. So yeah. Wanted to thank you. Well, and, and, and this is even just a little lesson in itself because Deepak and I have never met before. Never. And getting to know each other at, at this level, you know, the things we have talked about. I mean, yeah, we're doing, we're using technology in a great way. But, but on top of that, this would have never happened over an email, over, nope. you know, that type of thing. So, I mean, there's there so many big wins <laughs> that are still part of this whole equation, but it really does, like Marie said, seem to boil down to those personal face-to-face -face interactions. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. You know, in New York, they're using an app to check if people have been vaccinated to let you in the venues. What? That's, yeah, I, I thought that was everywhere, but uh, it's kind of interesting. So I, I have it here and, you know, some, some, you know, when you want to go listen to some music or even some restaurants, uh, it just tells you right there. Oh, um, let me see. Here it is. There it is. You see that? Oh, yeah. And, there, and there's a QR code attached. Oh, my gosh. Let me see if I can see that. And it tells you when my vaccine expires. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it gives you a QR code. So, you know, when you go to a venue, whether a restaurant or a music venue or a dining venue or a theater venue, and oh. they're still trying to open that up here in Broadway. They'll take a shot of the QR code and let you in to let, to let them know that you've been fully vaccinated. Interesting. I, I can see uh, that your birthday is next week, man. Yeah, yeah, right. It says my birthday. It says when. It says when my when my vaccine expires. You know, there must be booster oh. shots that they're coming out with. Goodness. So you know, a lot of interesting things that they can do. Uh, you know, with both consumer and enterprise technology. Love it. Love it. Well, Deepak, thank you for your time and sharing your wisdom. This has been, uh, once again, enlightening as always when I speak with you. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I look forward to keeping in touch.